Please pray with me. Oh, Father God, it's because of your love and your grace and your mercy to sinners like us that we can know that your Son, your only begotten, our Savior lives. And his name is Jesus. The name that is above all names, at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that he is Lord and every knee shall bow, exclaiming that yes, we know our Redeemer lives. And it's on this Easter Sunday we rejoice, Father, Son, and Spirit, because we know, because he lives, we live. Two, Father, thank you for loving us enough to send your son to become our sin so that we could become his righteousness and become yours and truly live. And it's in your son's precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles... We're going to turn to the Gospel of John. John's Gospel, and it's John, the beloved disciple, who's going to spend the majority of his book, the Gospel of John, telling us about the last week of Jesus' life. Telling us of the reality of Easter. And because of Easter, we truly can live. John was there. And John gives us a report. In John 14, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going home, that he's going to return to the Father, that he's going to accomplish the mission that he came to do, and that was to rescue sinners like us. But that he wasn't going to leave us as orphans, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to come and to give us life and to make us family and to draw us to him and draw us to one another. And it's in John 14, verse 19, that he tells us the incredible reality of Easter. The reality that because he lives, we can live too. John 14, verse 19, remembering we're reading God's very holy and errant word, never to lead us astray. Jesus says this. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you, you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Because I live, Jesus says, you, my disciples, my family, you too will live. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we're here this morning on this cool Easter morning because of the reality that your son lives. And Father, we desperately need to hear the voice of our Redeemer. We desperately need to hear the voice of our Good Shepherd reminding us afresh this morning that he does live, 
that he is alive interceding for us. So God, we ask that the spirit of your living son would come and that God, you would be willing to use a broken sinner to speak your words and your truth. One that desperately needs the salvation that Jesus offers. So Father, come. Please, Father, come in your spirit and open up our ears to hear the voice of Jesus. Open up our minds to the reality that he lives. Father, would you empower our feet so we can walk out of here having been blessed, having spent time with your living son and spirit. And Father, may you bless our feet so we can leave here proclaiming the good news everywhere we go that Jesus lives. And because he lives, we can live too. What is said that is true and contains the good news of the gospel, use those things to make us more like Jesus. What is merely my opinion or that is wrong, may it quickly fall away and be forgotten. Jesus, we pray that you and you alone receive glory and we receive great joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. It really amazes me, astounds me, how much trash a family of six can accumulate in one week. How is it with you? But I don't know how we do it. We live, I think, pretty normal lives as far as the Jakes' lives go as normal. But it's amazing how much trash we accumulate week in and week out. Trash night for us is on Monday night and Thursday night. I've assigned a boy to each night, and together the whole family tries to remember when trash night is. But we live busy lives, and sometimes that night slips away from us, and we forget. And those trash collectors in our neighborhood are the earliest birds you've ever seen. If we don't get it out the night before, forget it. It's gone. Goodbye. And now it starts piling up in our driveway. I bought huge trash cans. The good ones. I spent a lot of money on trash cans. Don't they kill you to spend money on a trash can? You just feel like you're throwing it right away. But I got good ones that can have nice wheels to take all of our trash down the driveway. Big, huge ones that we can throw all the stuff away that we want to. Two of them. Can you imagine they actually fill up? And it really kind of looks kind of trashy sometimes at the Jake's house when we forget to take away the trash. As a matter of fact... We have a refrigerator right now that's in our driveway, too. So if you want one, and we got one there waiting for that time where they come and pick up that stuff, too. So really, our neighbors appreciate us so much. And the times we forget, and there's a refrigerator, and the trash is all puking over. Well, in the fall of 2002, something significant in the world happened, didn't it? I became your pastor. But that's not what we're going to talk about. I know that you were thinking that. I appreciate that. I really do. But in the fall of 2002, in the city of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs, they had a garbage strike. You don't really appreciate the men and women who will come and haul away your trash until they don't show up, right? And it all accumulates. And your house starts to have a little bit of a different odor. And you start noticing creatures around your house that you didn't notice before. Well, there was one man who was fit to be tied. He had heaps of garbage like everybody else, and he decided to contract an inside job. You know, one of those guys you don't really talk about to your friends. You call up and say, hey, I got a job for you. You ready for it? I need you to take care of my trash, to haul it away. So for a fixed price and a fixed time, the man shows up, gathers all of the trash, 
and hauls it away, which the gentleman thought, this is great. I'm free and rid of my trash. Little did he know that the gentleman he contracted took his trash, went to a nearby vacant lot, and dumped it there. The police came by, noticed bags of trash, did good police detective work, rifled through the trash, found the gentleman's name that owned the trash, and here comes the trash back to his house. Thankfully in a cop car, accompanying with a nice stiff fine. Who are you paying to take away the trash in your life? You see, it's Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is for us, by God's grace, his children, those who have embraced Jesus as Savior, that the reality that our trash has been hauled away. Easter Sunday is the celebration that, yes, Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. He would do so by going on a Roman cross and by becoming our trash. And by becoming our trash and the trash of our sin, we now could become his beauty and his righteousness. But did it work? Did the sacrifice work? Did the cross work? Was our sins really paid for? Did the Father accept a substitute for us and our sins? Are they really gone? Or are our sins going to come back? like that garbage with our name on it and a fine attached to it. You see, it's Easter Sunday when that tomb was empty, where the Father proclaimed to the world and to the heavenly host and to us this morning that it worked, that Jesus did become our trash. And it was hauled away. And it will never come back again. We truly now can live Because he lives too. What an incredible Easter story this is. It's a proclamation that sinners like us can have our sins truly hauled away and never come back to haunt us. Never come back with any other fines. The first point I have is this. Because he lives, we now can live without condemnation. Listen, because he lives... We now, sinners like us, can now live in a holy God's sight without condemnation. Paul will say it this way in Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for all those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul took this beautiful reality and the reality and the truth of the gospel that Jesus would bear our sins on the cross. That scripture would tell us he would actually become our sins and our filth and our garbage on the cross. And all the name of our filth and our garbage would be placed on him. So that all that filth that condemns us can be driven away from us and washed away from us. Think about this. Therefore, for those of us in Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation You see, we're born condemned. Scripture makes it very clear. We're born sinners from the womb. We have been conceived in sin. Scripture tells us that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. 
That truly we deserve naturally being born, living our lives to be condemned by a holy God. A holy God that is so pure that he can't even look upon sin. We're born condemned. We live our lives justifying his condemnation for us. Justly deserving his wrath and his death and his displeasure. Our death and his displeasure. But he says, I'm going to remove it. All that which will condemn you, I'm going to remove from you completely. Therefore, when I see you, there is no more condemnation. There's nothing there. Sin has been paid. The debt has been paid. The debt that we deserve has been paid. It's been put out of the way. Therefore, there is nothing that we have left. Those of us, by God's grace, who have embraced Jesus as Savior. Listen, nothing will condemn us. Nothing. The Father says this, what has condemned us has been put away with, it's been erased. What has separated us has been bridged. A holy God and a sinful man made in his image cannot coexist. We will forever be separated from God because of our sins, but Jesus came to bridge that gap. Bridge that gap by doing that which we couldn't do, and that was perfectly obeying the law. Becoming that which we deserve, death because of our sins, to bring us life. And he bridged the gap. Listen, he bridged the gap between sinners and a holy God forever. And it's the Apostle Paul that will write in Romans 8, verses 34 and 35, Therefore now, because of this bridge, because of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Demons can't separate us from his love. Death and Dying can't separate us from his love. Nothing can separate us now from the love of Christ. Lift your head up high, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lift your head up high and rejoice this Easter morning because we truly can live because he lives. That sin and that baggage that we carry around, those things that we're still ashamed of, those things that have broken us and caused us to be undone will not condemn us. And they will not separate us from the love of the Father. Is that not good news? Good news this morning of Easter? That because he lives, we can live as well. Because he lives, we can now live without condemnation. And now what does Jesus do? He lives to intercede for us. You see, it's Jesus that once and for all has dealt with our sins. Paul will say it this way in Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verses 12 through 15. Having been buried with Jesus in baptism, in which we were also raised with him through faith and the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. This is saying, Paul is saying, we have been raised from the dead too in Christ Jesus. And you and me, who were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh, God has made us alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside. And how did he do it? Nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is what Paul's saying. Satan and the demons thought they had a victory. They had God's son, the only begotten, naked on a cross, 
dying. I thought this one moment would be the moment of triumph. That finally evil would win. And scripture says, no, the opposite is true. Who would have thought the King of Kings and Lord of Lords dying naked on a cross would give us victory? But it's all of our sin that has been nailed there. All of our garbage with our name on it that has been nailed there and taken away so that we can really live. Now live without condemnation. Now live without our garbage ever going to find us. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Consequently, Jesus now is able to save us to the uttermost. For those of us by God's grace that he's given this gift of faith to, that have embraced Jesus as Savior, that has had our garbage hauled away, he will save us to the end. He will never change his mind about us. He will never let our garbage come back with our name on it, paying a fine. He paid it. And now he lives. He lives in bodily form, a resurrected, glorious body. And in Hebrews 7.25 says this, he now lives to intercede for us. Listen, Jesus, the risen Savior, now lives and pleads before the Father for those of us that are his and says, they're not guilty. They're not guilty. My blood has washed them. My righteousness has clothed them. They are mine. I am going to live to intercede for them. My brothers and sisters in Christ, lift your head up high this Easter morning because we can live without condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Your trash isn't coming back. Our trash truly has been hauled away. We can live our lives without guilt. Sin no longer has its power over us. But there's more. Listen, if the Easter story this morning was this, God has come to remove our condemnation. God has come to remove our trash. We would have every reason to just rejoice. We would have every reason to walk out of here saying, praise you, Jesus, that we can now live without condemnation. Our trash is gone. But the Easter story is more. Jesus says in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. The Easter story is this. I've done more, Jesus says, than just take away your trash. I've come to make you beautiful. I've come to make you mine. I've come to wash you with my blood and and take away all your stains, all your deformities, all that which makes you ugly. I have washed away with my blood. There's no more wrinkle in you. There's no more spot in you. In Christ Jesus, we're clothed in his righteousness. We're beautiful. Beautiful. The Father with his holy gaze, can look upon the bride, the church, us, and say, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. I've come just not just to take away your trash. I've come so that you can live, really live. How many of you all have seen the movie Braveheart? 1995, movie of the year, film that was loosely based on the life of William Wallace, a 14th century Scottish hero. I know some of you are saying, Jeff, you can't come up with a more recent movie than that. But don't you, if you saw Braveheart, you like it. It's all about bravado. It's all about men being men and fighting for what they believe in. And Katie just thinks Mel Gibson's so good looking. I'm trying to grow my hair out and be more like Mel, you know. 
try not to drink as much. Oh, did I say that? No, sorry. <laughs> In that movie, he says a line that if you went, you probably never can forget. It's one of those moments where, you know, they're going into battle and they might lose their lives, but they're fighting for their freedom. They're fighting for a just cause. And, and the, the fear of death was looming large. And he says this, every man dies, but not every man really lives. It's true. Every man will die, but not every man really lives You see, some, apart from Christ, they just exist. They don't really live. Because without Christ, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. Without Christ, we do not have life, let alone life abundantly. 1 John 5.11 makes this very clear. It says this, whoever has the Son, and how do you have the Son? It's by embracing Him as Lord and Savior, It's coming and saying, God, I believe that you're more than a cartoon fairy tale. I believe that Jesus is Lord, that you've raised him from the dead. I place my faith, my trust, and my hope in him. That's how you receive Jesus Christ by God's grace as Savior. And Scripture says this in 1 John 5.11, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. How is it with you this morning? Are you here embracing Jesus as Savior, realizing he took away your trash? Are you here embracing Jesus as Savior, realizing that he's come to give you life and life abundantly? You see, Jesus came to do so much more than just haul away our garbage. He came so that we could live. He came so that we could have freedom. Freedom from sin and its power. Freedom from sin and the penalty of its sin. Freedom to truly live as God has intended us to live. Knowing and loving Him and being known and loved by Him. To live as God really has intended us to live. Loving one another as ourselves. Walking through life knowing that we're precious in His sight. Knowing that we're beautiful in His sight. Knowing that we've been forgiven and set free. That's how God wants us to live. Not with our heads down. Not kicking the dirt for the mess that we still are. As his, really live, living life abundantly. Living life abundantly means this. Jesus, I believe that the best life I could live is obedience to you. The best life I could live is doing what you have told me to do so I can find life and life abundantly. Are you living that life? That life of freedom? You see, Jesus came to do more than haul away our trash. He came so that we could live and really live. And not just give us life and quality of life abundantly, but duration of life eternally. Because he lives, we can live without condemnation. Because he lives, we can live life abundantly. And lastly, because he lives, we can live life eternally. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, right there it should blow our minds, a holy God would love a sinful world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
I'm in the process of renewing my passport. Expired this year, and uh, I have the privilege of going to a preaching conference uh, at the end of this week and need a passport and uh, try to renew it. I sent it in in January. Anybody try to renew a passport recently or get one? It's a mess. Apparently, with the new laws of going flying into Mexico and Canada, now we need passports. There's a big rush on passports. Guess what? I don't have my passport. Need it by Friday. Do a little research. Good luck finding someone on the phone, by the way, to get someone on the phone to talk to. My goodness. Anyway, find out through the bank that the check I sent in with it cleared. Good news. You all know, here's some really good news. Not only the check cleared, I actually had funds to cover it this time, you know? <laughs> Hallelujah. So the check cleared way back in the first week of February. So I know that they've accepted my application. I know it's in process. I know that my passport is coming. I know that I'll have that access to travel because the funds were removed from my account. You see, it's the empty tomb. That's the removal of the payment. Jesus, for our sins. That's a declaration that the Father has accepted that payment. It's that empty tomb that screams to us, you've received your passport for eternity. Heaven has been ripped open. And you and I can boldly come and have access and have life, life abundantly. Have life, life eternally. Because the payment was made. And the Father took the Son up to heaven. It's gone. He now lives there knowing that we have the passport to go home. John 17.3 says this. It says eternal life is this. Eternal life is knowing that Christ Jesus is Lord. Eternal life is embracing Jesus as Savior. Some think that eternal life is that which happens when our heart stops beating. And we have the privilege and grace through Christ Jesus to go and see him face to face. That's only a part of eternal life. My brothers and sisters in Christ, eternal life starts when we surrender our lives to Christ Jesus. Eternal life starts when we place our faith and trust in him as Lord and Savior. Do you have that eternal life? Do you have that life and life abundantly? Do you have the joy of knowing that you have your passport in hand? Because you know that your Redeemer lives. Every year, many of you know, I I read through the Bible and Every Easter and Christmas, I read again these great stories of Easter and and Christmas. And every year, I seem to look for characters that I can most identify. And I hate to tell you, but the sad truth is, I usually identify with the knuckleheads. I mean, somehow, my life and their life has a lot of similarities. And I can see, yep, there I am in the story. Well, this Easter was no different as I read through the gospel story I saw myself again in the Easter story like I never have before. And it's the name Barabbas. Do you know Barabbas? Barabbas was a notorious criminal. Matter of fact, he was worse than I am, I believe, the fact that he was a convicted murderer. He stirred up the city with insurrection. Really bad news. As a matter of fact, he's bad news Barabbas. I think it's in the Greek. Grew up bad news, Barabbas. He's that kind of kid your mom said, don't hang out with that kid. 
bad news Barabbas is here, you're going to have bad news around. What was bad news Barabbas? He was uh, in prison, rightfully so, and Jesus was brought to Pontius Pilate, and he was told, you got to kill this guy. He, he's, he's claiming to be a king, and he's really stirring up trouble. you got to kill this Jesus. And it's Pilate. He didn't know what to do. I mean, Pilate was in a difficult situation because Pilate didn't see anything wrong with Jesus. Matter of fact, he sent him to Herod, and he came back, and Herod didn't find anything wrong with Jesus. And it was Pilate whose wife said to him, don't you have anything to do with this Jesus? I'm having nightmares about this guy. Pilate was really in a a quagmire. He's in a bind. He didn't know what to do. And it was Passover, and the Romans gave a token to the Jewish folks. They would release a prisoner kind of out of goodwill, forget justice. They don't know justice. They're going to let him go. And so Passover came, and Pilate thought, this would be great. I'll have Jesus let go. I'm going to beat him up a little bit, but we'll let him go. And he says, should I allow that Jesus will be released to you? And they said, no, no, give us Barabbas. We want the murderer. We want the one whose bad news Barabbas released. Kill Jesus. Luke 23, 13 says this. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I don't find this man guilty of any of the charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. Now there's justice. I don't find anything wrong with it, but I'll just beat him up for you. And then we're going to let him go. But they cried out together, away with this man and release to us bad news Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. Not justice. The voices of the mob prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released bad news Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. You see, I'm, I'm bad news Barabbas. I'm a sinner deserving death, but who got freedom. I'm a sinner that Christ died in his place. You see, in Barabbas, the truly guilty were treated like the innocent. And that's me. And the truly innocent were treated like the guilty. And that's Jesus. See, that's me. Is it you? He hauled away my trash. He's given me life and life abundantly and life eternally. And the bad news Barabbas of Jeff Jakes 
can truly live because he lives. And when I remember, when I remember what he's done, I can't help but worship him. Can you? The worship team is going to come forward. And as they come, we're going to sing. I can't help but worship you for all that you have done. Are you here this morning able to worship him as Lord and Savior? Don't leave here. Don't leave here this morning without having the filth of your life hauled away through the work of Jesus. Embrace him as Savior. But for all of us, by God's grace, who can live without condemnation, who can live life abundantly and eternally, who can be bad news Barabbases who have been set free, remember and worship. Let us pray. Father God, when we remember your love, the cross of your Son, and the empty tomb, we remember the Holy Spirit that makes his life inside of us. We cannot help but worship you. Bad news, Barabbas is like us. We join our voices and sing of the life we have because he lives, we live too. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.